You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Bird's Eye View on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Lori Hess, here with Michelle Ravitch. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Today, actually, we're going to talk about behavior issues in birds, and there are quite a few of them, so we have a lot to tell you. Right, Dr. Ravitch? Yes, there are quite a few. (laughs) Great. Well, we'll be right back in a few minutes after these messages to talk all about behavior in birds. Stay perched. We'll be soaring back right after these messages. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. I don't make any decisions about who to hire without going to Angie's List first. You'll find reviews on home repair to health care written by people just like you. With Angie's List, I know who to call, and I know the results will be fantastic. Angie's List that you can trust. Go to Angie'sList.com forward slash best and get 25% off any subscription. That's Angie'sList.com forward slash best. B-E-S-T. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery, or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View on Pet Life Radio. I am Lori Hess with Dr. Michelle Ravitch. And we are going to talk all about behavior problems in birds. So tell us, Michelle, what are some of the behavior problems that that we see in practice here? We quite uh, commonly see a handful. Perhaps the number one that we see, number one or number two, include feather picking, where birds either destroy or pick out their feathers. um, And that can actually progress to mutilating their skin and reproductive problems. Other problems that we see less frequently but still fairly common include screaming, aggression towards other birds or people, and also biting. Yeah, and we do see quite a bit of it. In fact, we see it every day, and we have people who unfortunately sometimes are at risk of losing their apartments, of losing their mates, um, their significant others, because it becomes a really, really disturbing problem if your bird is lunging at you or lunging at your spouse or screaming and keeping you awake all night. And it can be very upsetting when you see your own pet chewing its feathers or actually damaging its skin. Right. Okay, so should we start off 
talking about screaming? Yeah, screaming is a good one because we see quite a bit of it in some of the larger birds, mm-hmm. like cockatoos and African greys. Right. Yeah, it is a big problem. So an owner comes in, they were describing birds, their bird is screaming. It's frustrating for us veterinarians. And we often have to work through this problem first, obviously, medically, to make sure there's no underlying medical reason for the bird to be screaming. Right. Some birds will make repetitive noises if they're having a type of seizure or a stroke-like accident. So it is definitely important to rule that out. We also have to make sure, certainly, that you know a lot of birds mimic their owners. So if you live in a house where you scream at your family members, sometimes birds actually just mimic you, and it's your fault that your bird is screaming. <laughs> so. right. And the other thing, too, that people have to realize is these birds scream naturally in the wild. A lot of times in the morning and in the evening, as the sun rises and the sun sets, the whole flock will kind of chorus together. So to some extent, some of that might be normal. Probably owners inadvertently encourage it by yelling back at their birds to stop, but to a bird that's just saying, oh, that's my flock yelling, it's time to yell, I should yell more. That's a really, really important point. Obviously, you know, what's socially acceptable in a bird flock may not be socially acceptable in a human uh, situation. So we do have to expect that in the morning and the evening when birds are doing their natural foraging that they will make some noise. And if you can't accept that or it's not okay for you in your house, then the bird is probably not going to be a good pet for you. What are some of the birds that would be more likely to be? Well, some of the birds that are screaming. I mean, certainly cockatoos scream quite a bit. Some of the um, Amazon parrots can scream. Really, any of the larger birds. Yeah, I mean, they do scream. Michelle had a really, really important point. It's really easy for us to get angry or upset and think that this bird is going to understand us. And as soon as the bird is screaming, to run over the cage and say, I told you to stop that. No, 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 no. And all that does is to have the bird go, oh, great, they're paying attention to me when I scream. I'm going to keep doing it. Right. And then the interval of them screaming gets longer and longer because they realize they can scream. At first, they'll scream for a few seconds, they get attention. That extends to a minute, that extends to five minutes. And pretty soon, they're screaming quite frequently. Right. What are some of the other problems besides screaming that we deal with? Certainly aggression. And there can be different types of aggression. One of the most common things, I guess, that I hear people say is that their bird used to absolutely adore them when it was little. And up until about four or five years of age, you know, their bird was quite bonded to them. And then right about five years of age or so, the bird started to turn on them and like their husband or their wife or the other person that the bird used to ignore or not be so fond of. Interestingly enough, that usually corresponds with sexual maturity. And so, you know, when the bird is being raised and he is bonded to a person that's kind of like his parent, and then when he reaches sexual maturity, he doesn't really want to be bonded to his parent anymore, so he switches to the other person to have more of a a mate-like relationship. And it's very, very important, if if you see this coming, to try to set up a a positive relationship between the bird and each member of the household. We often work with people and make each individual person be the giver of a specific specific type of treat that the bird loves, that that bird only gets from one individual person in the house, so that he sees one person as the giver of the peanuts and the other person as the giver of the popcorn or whatever, so he he can associate something pleasant with each of these different people and then not want to be aggressive to that person in a bad kind of way. Right. And having every member of the household do some sort of training is important too. You know, everyone should be working with the bird to step up and step down and giving treats and having it be a positive experience so it's not only one person that, you know, can handle the bird. 
Right. And it, it is hard because obviously we have new people come and go in our lives, people, friends that come over, pass out of the household. So, I mean, to some degree, you have to understand that birds are, you know, living organisms and they're not static and their behavior may change in response to the things that change around them. And we have to give them that. But um, if they're the stable family unit, you're the flock for the bird in the house and the, all of the flock has to work together with the bird. Right. Right. Something that's also important to keep in mind is that birds can also show displaced aggression. So if they see a person come into the room that they don't like, they may be sitting with their favorite person. They may bite their favorite person when this other person enters the room. So it's important just to be wary of that. Maybe not have the bird right next to your face. Right. You know, when you're interacting with a person the bird doesn't like as much. And realize that birds get tired, too. And when they get tired, they can get cranky just like we do. So there are times when they may not want to do what you want them to do. In other words, they may try to bite you when they don't want to come out of their cage because they don't want to come out of their cage right then. So we have to give birds choice a little bit and not push, push, push if they're not going to do what we want them to do. And uh, realize that for behavior training, just a few minutes at a time is really maybe all a bird can take. And you always want it to be a positive experience. We don't want to punish animals. They don't respond to punishment. I mean, birds learn behavior like we do either to respond to something positive, to get something good, or to avoid something bad. And we really try not to make it avoiding something bad. It's much more effective um, and long-lasting if a bird just responds to something really, really nice in their environment. And that behavior will be more likely to stick with them if they're not afraid of the person who's training them. We also see, what other behaviors do we see that are, are problematic for us, for the birds we treat? Well, we see a lot of feather picking. Yes, we do. A lot of birds come in and they are, they can be, you know, any degree, naked from the neck down to just missing a few feathers on their chest. And it's always important, I think we've talked about in previous discussions, to rule out a medical cause of feather picking because birds can feather pick if they have intestinal parasites, if they have organ failure, if they have a tumor. They can feather pick for a lot of medical reasons, so it's very important not to ignore those. Exactly. So we just want to make sure that there's nothing going on. That means we don't start to work with behavior until we're sure that blood tests have been done and the stool sample has been checked, and often we do an x-ray. So we try to be really, really thorough because birds, again, can show feather picking as an outward sign of they're just not feeling well. So, you know, and, and it does get worse. Sometimes it, it goes from feather picking to actually mutilating their skin. And that can be a really upsetting thing for an owner to see when the bird is really gouging itself. And the owners blame themselves and think that they've done something wrong when really it just, you know, may be a, a boredom or, t- or behavioral type of problem that has nothing to do with the owner directly. Mm-hmm. Other things that we might see related to, we mentioned earlier, are reproductive-related behavioral issues. Mm -hmm. What might some of those include, Dr. Ravitch? Some of that can actually tie in the screaming and the feather picking. Birds in our houses are raised very differently than they would be in the wild. In the wild, they're exposed to a flock. You know, at a certain age, when they're weans, their parents get them out of the nest. They teach them how to forage. They learn appropriate social skills. And they start to learn how to find food on their own. And a lot of times in our houses, they're continuously treated as young. We still give them food. We still coddle them. They don't really learn how to forage. They don't learn appropriate flock behaviors. And to some extent, that sets up a situation where they are thinking of a particular person in the house as their mate. That can be very frustrating for them because they want a mate and obviously the person's not a bird and they also want to be around the person all day and when the person's not there, the bird can be very distressed about that. Yeah. I mean, birds really need to understand that their cage or wherever you have them is a safe place and it's a place that it's okay to be and that you are coming back. 
And I think more than any other species, we do this with cockatoos a lot because they're so mushy, and that's why people get them and they want to cuddle them all day long and carry them around, you know, like they're little babies. But what what they don't understand is that those birds become so dependent on their owners that they really don't know how to occupy themselves. It's almost like having a child that screams all day long for their mother. I mean, they have to understand that you know if you give them a toy, they can sit nicely in their cage and entertain themselves, and mom will still come back. And that's why we tell people to get their birds on schedules, to have them know when out-of-cage time with the family is during the day, when they can expect it, and when it's okay to be in the cage and that their family's coming back. There are quite a few things that we can do to treat all of these behavior problems, but I think actually now we're going to take a little break, and in a minute we'll be back and we'll tell you all about how we deal with these behavior problems. It's very interesting. So join us in a minute. Stay perched. We'll be soaring back right after these messages. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. Smart. Be better together. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart and save up to 30% on toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart today. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Back, go to PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. To order your Dyson Animal Back today. Dyson. Music to your ears. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com. Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet 
Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. I'm Lori Hess here with Michelle Ravitch, and we've just spent some time talking about behavior problems in birds, including screaming, aggression at people, at other birds, certainly feather picking and self-mutilation, and even reproductively based behaviors that are inappropriate in a household. And now we're going to talk a little bit about what we as veterinarians tell people with these problems when they come into our office to do. So Dr. Ravitch, you want to tell us a little bit about what we do? Sure. Well, as we mentioned before, first we try to rule out any medical causes for any of these behaviors because we certainly don't want to overlook that before we focus on other things. But along with ruling out medical causes, there are a lot of changes that people can often make in their homes to keep birds more occupied and set up a more natural environment for them. One of the things that we are very big proponents of is foraging behavior. You know, in the wild, birds spend a lot of time searching for food, some time looking for mates, and some time avoiding predators. And our houses, you know, they're in their cage, and a lot of times their food is given to them, and they don't have to spend any time searching for it. And that can lead to boredom, that can lead to feather picking, that can lead to screaming and stress. Birds that are in that situation have to be taught to forage to some extent. They actually don't even understand it, and it's something that their parents would tell them how to do in the wild. Do you want to talk yeah, about that? Yeah, so, I mean, birds do watch other birds, and when you're teaching a bird to forage, I mean, it's, it's one thing to just throw a toy in the cage. You really have to show the bird how that works, um, whether the toy has some little drawer or you have to unscrew something. Those are foraging toys. They're ma- manipulative toys. So there are things that, you know, there's our little bird tweeting in the background for you, um, So there are manipulative toys that birds have to work on and puzzle through, and some of them really are puzzles, and it gives the birds something to do. And birds like projects, Mm -hmm. Um, particularly some of the bigger birds, they use their mouths. Remember, they don't have hands, so they have to use their tongue and their beak. And a lot of these birds need to chew on things to keep themselves busy. So if they're doing something with their mouths and their beak, they can't be screaming, they can't be chewing on themselves or picking at their feathers. So it stimulates them both intellectually, and it also serves a purpose of preventing them from doing the bad behavior because they're doing something else. Right. A lot of times we'll tell people to start off small and get a tiny little cardboard box or even a toilet paper roll and put some of the bird's favorite food in there. You know, so the bird sees the food in there and goes down to get it and over time close up the ends or put the cover on and the bird has to rip through to get it progressing up to some of the actually um, manufactured foraging toys. And once a bird, assuming a bird is healthy and they understand foraging, you can even put most of their daily diet into foraging and they spend the entire day searching for food just like they would do in the wild. It's really great for them. It's a good form of exercise for them because they're moving their bodies around. They're not just sitting on a perch eating a huge bowl of food. Um, It stimulates them. It keeps them active. And, you know, it's something that you can do to bond with your bird. I mean, a lot of these toys, as as Michelle mentioned, are made out of simple household items like toilet paper rolls or paper bags or whatever. And you can get the whole family involved. Even the kids can make foraging toys. I know in my house I have children. I have a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and they actually love to make foraging toys. Toys, and we do this on weekends, and, and we it's fun because you create the toy, you put it in the cage, and then you watch the bird destroy it. And it may last only a few seconds, but it's really exciting to see the bird enjoy it so much. Right. So there are definitely some other things we can do at home. We always recommend people leave the TV on when they're not home, something for the bird to watch and listen to. And I will say, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'd leave the radio on. And then I always answer them with, well, what would you rather do? Sit in a room by yourself and listen to the radio all day or actually watch television? Right. Obviously, we'd want to watch television. You get the visual stimulation as well as the auditory that way. Right. We actually, in our boarding room here, if there's a bird boarding, we always have the TV on, usually a, a children's show or cartoon, something with a lot of colors and, and songs and noises. 
Exactly. Something else that's very important and often overlooked is having the appropriate UV light. Birds in the wild are in the sunlight, they're exposed to sunlight, and some of the important rays from the sun are UVA and UVB rays, and they're essential for a bird's health, for skin quality, for feather quality, for mental health, and actually also for calcium metabolism. And there are special lights uh, made for birds that have these particular rays that people that don't have these lights, when they get them, they see the change in their birds. Yeah, it's really amazing. I mean, it's great for their feather quality. It's great for their health. It's essential if they're laying eggs, if they're females, to get the vitamin D made in their skin when it's exposed to ultraviolet light. And if you've ever lived in a place like Alaska, for example, where, you know, there are periods of the year where it's dark all the time, it can be very depressing. And people actually have to go for UV phototherapy. So it's amazing to watch birds that actually get sunlight for the first time. And we have to remember that sunlight through a window, the wavelengths of light that are important are actually filtered out by the glass so it's not the same watching those birds get sunlight for the first time you can really see a change in their whole mental attitude and as we had mentioned previously getting birds on a set schedule is also very important so they know what to expect when um, and they're not stressed you know wondering what's going to happen you know having a set light schedule turning the light on the same time in the morning then you know maybe that's when you take them out on their play stand when you're getting food ready you know having something a routine turning the tv on before you leave they know you're leaving you know, when you come back, having the same routine, um, putting them to bed the same time at night. Yeah, I mean, they, they really will get used to being on a schedule, and they'll anticipate things. And they're much happier in their cages when they have things to do, but they know that when you leave, you're coming back. And this is particularly important with some of the really socially needy birds, as we mentioned, like cockatoos, African greys. They tend to be very, very intelligent, and they really do get it, so right. it, it's important. And it's important to start young with them, too. It's, and, and we understand it's very hard when you get a baby bird. They're so cute. You want to hold them all the time when you're home. But that sets up a precedent that whenever you're home, they expect to get attention from you. And when they get older and, and maybe they're not as cute or you have another job or whatever and you're not giving them the attention all the time, that's when the screaming starts or feather picking starts. And it's, it's important, too, if you have a sexually mature bird, and some of these bigger birds will mature around five, six, seven years of age, if you continually pet their body, you give them a mixed signal, which, you know, it can be a sexually stimulating thing to pet a bird's body, and if you're not going to mate with him, it's just going to make it very frustrating. So sticking to petting the bird's head and giving it some alone time, all of these things are important. I mean, the major thing here, I think the issue is that regardless of what behavior problem we're dealing with, it's not a, a quick fix. It's not a magic pill. You know, behaviors change over time. Birds are living creatures, and they're going to respond differently at different times, whether they're tired, whether they're hungry, just like we do. And if you're dealing and working with a bird with a behavior issue, you have to be patient, and you have to be willing to put time in. And you may have times you may go on vacation, and you may not be able to practice with your birds, or your birds go somewhere else for a little bit. And just, you know, you may take three steps forward and then take two steps back in your behavior therapy. So it has to be a fluid process. And you have to be willing to, you know, work with the birds over and over again. Unfortunately, a lot of people come into us and they really want it done in just two visits, and it's just not going to happen that way. Uh, a lot depends on not what we're doing here in the, in the animal hospital, but actually what you do at home. And you do have to, as uh, Michelle mentioned before, involve the whole family. So it's not enough for one person to be working with the bird and having another person in the household, you know, undermining what that person's doing. You have to work as a group. A lot of times we'll talk about, and we had mentioned this earlier, but replacement behavior is giving the bird something to do where it can't at the same time also be doing the behavior that we don't like. So if it's foraging for food, it can't be screaming or picking at itself. 
you know, if it's out on its play stand, it can't, you know, and playing, it can't be doing those things either. So giving the bird something to do that prevents it from doing the inappropriate behavior. Exactly. And, and the best way to select those behaviors is to look at what the bird likes to do on his own. If you just watch the bird, if he likes a particular toy, if he likes a particular food, save that food, save interaction with that toy for behavior training um, in and of itself. An important point there actually too is that a lot of people, unfortunately, just due to lack of you know advertising and lack of information, have their birds on the inappropriate diet. And a lot of birds are eating all seed diets, which is a lot of fat and not too much nutrients. But that also makes it difficult to give them treats for foraging or training because they're already getting treats. You know, seeds are treats and they're, why should they work for a seed when it's in their dish? And so if birds are eating a nutritionally complete diet such as a pellet, then you can use seeds for training and it becomes much more, you know, motivating for the bird to work for that. Exactly. You just want to have a list and you can, again, if you watch a bird and see what he or she picks out to eat on his own or, or toys or sounds they respond to, these are all things that are the positively reinforcing items or, or behaviors for your bird. And every bird is different. You know, again, I always tell people like, I may love Indian food and Michelle may love Chinese food, but you know, she may work really, really hard for Chinese food and not for Indian food. And I may be the opposite. You know, every bird is different, just the same way people are different. And you have to kind of go with the flow a little bit. Right. Well, I think we're actually out of time, but we would like to thank you for listening today and thank our producers for making the show possible. We hope we have given you some good information. Certainly, if you're in our neighborhood, we would love to be able to help you with your behavior problems and your birds. We are at the Veterinary Center for Birds and Exotics in Bedford Hills, New York. You can see our website at www.avian, that's A-V as in Victor, I-A-N as in Nancy, exotics with an S on the end, vet.com, avianexoticsvet.com. And we hope that you'll join us again next time. Thank you so much. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.